everybody. You've tuned into a little show we like to call Don't Praise the Machine. It's me, John Maloney, and as I am every single episode, I'm sitting digitally across from my number one pod brother... Alexander Kipchoge. Alexander Kipchoge. And Alexander, why don't you tell us about what it's like (laughs) to go from an ordinary (laughs) schlub like me uh, (laughs) to accomplishing one of the great feats, one of the great feats really that any human being can achieve. Anyone who's going through a crisis of meaning in Mm. life and decides they need to set themselves a very basic ass bitch challenge. (laughs) You got, you can climb Everest. You can. (laughs) uh, Yeah. What else is there? What else is there besides like, it's the, it's the Everest. It's, uh, it's, it tends to be physical, doesn't it? Yeah. Everest. Everest. Some people are more kind of, I'll go to, I'll go on an ayahuasca retreat. That sort of yeah. that sort of angle. Walk the walk the, the Camino. Walk the Camino. Really Spain. learn about myself. <laughs> and uh, and then there's the old standby that's never gone out of fashion: running a marathon no, since since ancient Grecian times. Exactly. The guy had to run to deliver a message during a war or something, and then he said, "They say that," but I think that he was having. I think that he was having a meaning crisis in his life. <laughs> yeah. The message was, I've lost perspective on what it's all about. <laughs> He'd put on a few kilograms. His marriage yeah. was starting to become kind of stale. His kids <laughs> had left the home and he was sitting there going, is this all there is? This all there is? Is, this all, <laughs> is this what it was all about? But then that, but then that story's <laughs> kind of dry, so they made up the myth mm. about the about him r- r- running to warn them about the oncoming battle. Yeah, that's right. How are you feeling? It's the morning after. Yeah, thanks, wow. John. So for anybody who missed, congratulations. Thanks. So for anybody who missed last week's episode, if if for some reason you've chosen this as the first episode of Don't Praise the Machine to listen to, I ran my first full marathon yesterday. The One of the world's premium marathons, the Berlin Full Marathon. That's 42 kilometers on the streets of the mighty German capital of Berlin. And my legs are pretty, my legs are pretty sore. Mm, my knees are pretty sore. But that's fine. I guess that's to be expected. And I think I made a promise to you and the listeners and Mm -hmm. myself. And Mm -hmm. I said the goal was to run under four hours. Mm. And I'm going to just play. (laughs) (laughs) I said that I would donate $10,000 to an orphanage if... I ran under <laughs> four hours, and then I, for some reason, I also said that if I didn't, that I would burn said orphanage. <laughs> and it was a weird, it was a strange, it was a strange divisive bet to make. I mean, I thought I get it from a motivational have, perspective. I, I thought that from a motivational perspective, that it would really force me to run under four hours. <laughs> um, but, but here we are. And, <laughs> here we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a little sound here. I'm gonna either play the 
I'm going to either play it like, <laughs> or I was thinking this morning that I might play the Ryanair fanfare music that mm-hmm. plays for anybody who's uh, familiar <laughs> with Ryanair. I guess they, st- I don't know if they still do this, but they were doing it for a while. When your flight landed on time mm. uh, on Ryanair, Europe's premier budget airline, uh, they would play a little fan, and it would go. Another Ryanair flights landed on time. Can you believe it? It only it only cost you five euro, but you're in Malaga on time. Ryanair, we fly on time some of the time. Europe's some of the time on time airlines. Ryanair, and it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing. Like you don't get that on fuck if you like if you That's pay great. for. If you pay for business on Qatar and mm. they land, they don't go like, we're on time. Everybody yeah. celebrate. Everyone celebrate. Sorry about the smell, but that's what you get, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the sound. Welcome. You've arrived in yet another on-time flight. Last year, over 90% of Ryanair flights landed on time, beating every other European airline. Ryanair for the lowest fares and the best on-time record. I came in at three hours and 56 minutes. Oh, nice job. Man, that's great. Yeah. Let me just check, John, while I, while I got you. While it was, well, as you go on, sorry, I'm just going to check my actual official time on the uh, yeah. on the marathon website. Okay, great. Uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry, keep saying nice things about me. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't stop. Um <laughs> Just to put that in perspective, um, I, I reckon if I was to walk from Brunswick to the city, that would take me yeah. just over an hour, and okay. that's probably about five kilometers. So, admittedly, I'm walking, but um, that means that your race was really, really fast. But what is a <laughs> what is a um, what is an Eliud Kipchoge? get yeah. did he win so, so, he did win he I, I mean it's it's one of these things where he's it was he's it was the fifth time that he'd won mm-hmm. and so by this stage people now are no longer impressed when he wins mm-hmm. people just want him to break the world record because right. berlin is the fastest marathon track in the oh. world so if a re- if the world record's going to fall it's most likely to fall in berlin mm. and he is of course getting older with each year yeah. and he's yet to break sorry he, i mean he has the I, I shouldn't say break i shouldn't say he hasn't broken the world record he broke the world record in berlin last year okay uh, running 2 hours uh 1 minute and 9 milliseconds mm. uh you'll remember You'll remember Jesus, so two, two hours, two, two hours and one minute. Yeah, but everybody, everybody's, everybody's kind of what waiting for the get it under two. Hour. two. Yeah, yeah. The like new everybody's been four waiting. minute mile since or the, whatever. Since we since we crawled out of the ocean, people have been waiting <laughs> for a human to be able to run forty two k's in under two hours, mm. and so everybody's kind of secretly hoping every time that he comes to Berlin that he'll do it mm. uh but he didn't yesterday he won yeah but that's just not enough that's just not enough for did he even all. do his so, best uh, i mean i don't even think he did his best mm. were you at the starting line with him or was everyone going no, <laughs> no i <laughs> fucking wish fucking quick go quick mate go quick 
No, uh, I mean, there, I think there was. I should have. I should have got all my stats. I think there was forty-seven thousand people running yesterday. Oh wow! Um, and how do you get? How do you get to? Do you get assigned a spot in that mass of people? How does yes. that work? So okay. okay, so there were forty. There were forty-seven thousand nine hundred twelve competitors yesterday, John, in the actual wow. forty-two kilometer mar- in the actual forty-two kilometer marathon okay um so you get you get assigned a block yeah and then when you turn up you're you're in like a pen with Mm. thousands of other people and then they say okay here we go get ready gladiators Uh, are you ready gladiators are you ready (laughs) and then of course they uh as you as you get it there's a guy on a microphone hyping everybody up it's really fun these Mm. these things because you're in the pen with everybody everybody's super excited and they're playing they're playing, you know, LMFAO tracks. Yeah, okay. Jacked. Jazzed up. Uh, yeah. Marathoning on the streets tonight. <laughs> Everybody just run your best time. <laughs> That's what. They don't, they, they, don't even, they don't even play LMFAO, but I, whatever, they're usually playing Coldplay. Yeah. And I, I tur- but I turn to everybody and I just sing <laughs> that LMFAO <laughs> version that I've made up. You always come they're with playing... red foo wig and glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> they're always playing. They're always playing Coldplay's fucking. It was it called Live at Levitas? I don't. What's that fucking oh, Coldplay yeah. song? Right. I, I, this is this has become You're this fucking it. Coldplay song is everywhere. Yeah, Anywhere every time you I'm go, at the fucking like gym, a, it's going. It's always Roman Catholic choir. And you know what? I was when I was at this wedding in Italy. Um, a couple of months ago, my friend Francesca's wedding, mm. I swear to God, and I always do this because I kind of like to show off that I'm a bit of a music head. They had a string quartet that's, you know, playing before the bride mm-hmm. and groom get married, as a lot of weddings do. And I swear to God, I turned to, and they were playing like string quartet covers. Yeah. And I turned to uh, somebody at the wedding and I said, I fucking bet you a hundred Italian dollars that they're going to play <laughs> that Viva La Vida Coldplay song Yeah, 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 and yeah two songs later It's just there it was It's a classic I used to rule the world So Hippachis a bail So yeah, it was ringing It was in the <laughs> I was in, in the, the background Yeah But so And then uh, Shouldn't Elliot have to be in the In the blast block Because he keeps coming first Put him up the rump <laughs> Give him a no, challenge. So they, yeah, so the way that it works is you're in the pen, yeah. but your official start time doesn't start until oh, you cross. Okay. So you're behind in your pen, you're behind the official start line, yeah. and then they move everybody. It's so congested that they they let people through. They 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 um they organize how many people can cross the start line mm. at the. They hold people back because if they just if they just said, okay, everybody, you're in your pens, go, you can't mm. move because there's 47,000 people there. Yeah. So they let people kind of drip through. So at least by the time you pass the official start time, you've got a bit of space around you to go at the pace that you yeah, want to. But okay. even then, even as much as they do that, mm. um, and maybe I chose the wrong pen because I was when, when you sign up for the marathon, they ask you what time you think you're going to finish. Yeah. And then they put you in a pen based on that. And I think I probably ended up with some people around me 
that were going for a bit of a slower time than me, which means yeah. you have to try and sort of pass people straight away. Whereas right. if you say, if you say, oh, I want to run like a yep. faster time, Put then you're independent of people who... Put me in with kippers, then mm. everybody when they, when everybody passes the line, they'll be at a more similar pace to you. So you don't you're not constantly like. Yeah, I was a bit concerned because I looked around me and everybody. There's a <laughs> bunch of people that didn't look like they're in great shape, and I thought, yeah. oh no, I'm in the I'm like, in the I'm just I'm just running this for dad exactly because because he had a there was a tragic accident <laughs> at the jam at the jam factory, <laughs> and there's always there'll be there'll be a picture of there'll be a picture of like their there was some sort of explosion at the jam factory <laughs> and dad's passed and they'll be wearing a t-shirt. It's like, this one's for you, dad. Doing it for dad. Uh, Hashtag that's doing it my for problem. Dad. That's how you, look, here's the thing. You know, you know, you're in the slow pen. Mm. If everybody's got t-shirts on that mm. are, have like a relative that's either passed or is having a rough trot. Yeah. And that's, that can be very moving. Sure. But, uh, doing it. So those people, uncle, Jerry can get his wisdom teeth out. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and look, that might be that might be very moving emotionally. Yeah. But it's not very moving physically no, for that pen. Exactly right. and so, <laughs> yeah. Um and so yeah, I was in my pen. Yeah. And then they you get I'd ready. always choose pen fifteen for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Joel was in pen fifteen, and they start playing. They start playing that. Um, of course, then there's got a microphone, and he's going Berlin. You know that you get ready for the greatest days that you're ever gonna have, and everybody can get ready for the. I can't believe that so many of you have come out today, and we're having such a great time. Get ready, and then they start playing. Alan Parsons project uh-huh. song that they use at the start of all the Chicago Bulls games. It's like the ultimate something is about <laughs> yeah, we're getting yeah. excited for something to happen song. Everybody yep. will know it if they hear it. And then you're just like, fucking yeah, let's <laughs> get into this. this up. Yeah. And everybody, it's really cute. Everybody around you is like talking to you, and people are tapping each other on the shoulders and going, "Good luck, have a oh, good run." I got, I got nice. like a cutler, I got a cutler hardcore pommies next to me, like an older pommy, pommy lady and a man going, "Are you right? Is your first marriage? <laughs> oh, no, I've done, a, I've done a bunch of them, but it's Gary's first. We're having a fucking great time here. Yeah, nice. we go." And they ask you tips. Like, is this? Are you from here? Do you, are we in your right pen? Oh, okay, excellent. So it's got a really nice vibe. Do you know where we can get some London Pride on tap? (laughs) (laughs) I've got. I had. I had my kind of energy. I had my little packs of energy gels. Oh yeah. They had just. They had just little sachets of Bovril that they were gonna. That they were just gonna (laughs) smash during. (laughs) During the race, (laughs) it got a salty stock taste. (laughs) They just had Marmite and Bovril sachets and fucking like. (laughs) Thermoses of thermoses of ice cold, like of ice cold blended up tea. Yorkshire puddings. They were just squeezing into their mouths, <laughs> and, they, and they both looked. They were lovely, but they were very grey people. Their skin was very grey. <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah, so you run through, and then where? Hang on, where were we at? Was this your question? I, I feel don't, like um, don't know. yeah, we, yeah. I was talking about, about. Did you ask? Did you ask me about Coldplay? 
I asked, yeah, I asked you, about, <laughs> what's your favorite Coldplay song? And now here we are. No, I asked you about the pens. So you run through. I saw some great footage of you. This uh, is great. Like, you want to know about the marathon? We spent like the first, the whole show is just about the pen. Exactly. <laughs> fucking stuff. Okay. Next episode will be the starting gun goes off. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, take us through. Take us through it, as Roy and HG always say. Um, you're, yeah. You're, you're going, the starting gun goes off, you're full of beans, you're running along, you've got uh, 42 kilometers to go, so you're not thinking about that. But there must come a time when you go, when you hit that wall that I've heard all the greats talk about. Yeah. When does that I happen? I did hit the wall. So... I've run a lot of half marathons in my time. And so mm. I'm pretty familiar with how my body holds up for mm-hmm. those. And I made, I, I achieved a personal best in the half marathon earlier this year in Berlin at the official Berlin half marathon. Um, because after I'd run it a few times, you know, you understand mm. w- when your body is more or less going to start hurting mm. and you, you understand a pace that you can keep for that kind of a, a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so the difference with this is that I don't really like after 21 Ks for me is kind of no man's land. Yeah. yeah I've never yeah, done yeah. it before. So, I mean, I've done it in training, yeah. but I've never done it in an actual race where you've got like people around you and the excitement of the event. And mm. also I've never, I've never sort of tried to maintain mm. um, a decent, a decent pace after say, 21 i'm just familiar with like running my f- kind of fastest 21 and i know oh yeah cool i know how this goes i know that i can push it a bit with the last like five k's or whatever yeah whereas with this i actually felt pretty fine and uh, for 21 which mm-hmm. was great because i looked at my watch and it said oh you've already done a half marathon so you've just mm. got another half to go right um and so i was like this is cool i feel pretty good and then 25 I started feeling a little bit like my muscles were like starting to seize up mm. a little bit, a little bit more, and then by like thirty-five, so only seven k's to go mm. at the end, which yeah. is funny because because if to go from like if I if on Wednesday mm. I run seven k's, yeah, that's like I wouldn't even, even feel think it. about. It. I would I wouldn't even feel it. Yeah. But at but at thirty five, yeah, it was yeah. like it was like my body was so shot that um, <laughs> wow. my le- my legs my legs just my knees started my knees were really sore, which I'm not used. I don't normally get knee cap pain, which I think is right. called runner's knee. It's very common, at, especially okay. at distance, that basically your knees start really <laughs> hurting. Yeah, and so my knees started really hurting, and my hips, which I'm familiar with getting sore, started to really get quite tight uh-huh. and then the last seven and so then it was like k36 k37 and then i was thinking uh at the very end of the race that i would you know i have a bit of left in the tank and i'll kind of pick up the pace because mm. i'll know that i'll know that i've i can i can survive and then by the time there was like two k's left i tried to pick up the pace mm. and my legs would just instead of being a a little bit more sore where you'd go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, oh, yeah, I can feel my legs getting a little bit sore, more sore mm, because mm. I'm picking up the pace. 
I picked up the pace a tiny bit mm. and it was just like electric. They just, bec- <laughs> there was like lead. Oh, my legs God. were just, wow. my legs were just, I, I tried to run a little bit and yeah. my legs just were like, absolutely no way. Are yeah, we yeah, yeah. After what you've just done to us, the idea that you think, first of all, you've not, <laughs> We're telling you to stop, yeah, and you're not stopping, and now yeah. you think that we're going to let you get faster. <laughs> I can forget that, yeah. Um, and so that, and so you can see on my Strava, which mm. is um, Strava is the app that everybody uses to track themselves when they're doing exercise, and you can see that I certainly don't get any faster from the second half, and there's mm. a couple of pretty, pretty, pretty ropey, pretty lame kilometers in there where um, you know my my time that i would have ideally liked to have maintained would have been five hours uh sorry would have been five minute 20 kilometers okay um but in and and in future what i would do is try and hit that closer to the start of the race and just maintain it whereas Mm. um I started off the race and was like slightly under 520. I was mm. getting up to, I mean, over. So I was getting, I was getting kind of five minute 40 Ks for the first five, six, seven Ks. Right. And then I kind of struggled to get it down again to 520. Yeah. And then, as of course, as the race continues, your body just, at least my body, um, was really starting to struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had told myself that anything under, four and i should see it as a success for the yeah, first one so anybody did it happy that's great i should say as well before i forget um tons of people didn't came do the out. old sorry you didn't do the old jelly legs poo pants that we've all seen no the monogetti the monogetti spaghetti, <laughs> monogetti spaghetti. <laughs> yeah shout out to my, my mate my mate scott robbo uh shout out to scott um let me know that steve monogetti australia's steve monogetti won the Berlin Marathon in, I think it was either 1990 or 91. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, what year was that? Monaghetti Berlin Marathon winner. He won in 1990. Another great year. Yeah. One of the best years in music ever. And And I should also just give a shout out to loads of people who came out yesterday. So I was lucky enough to spot... I saw. Th- it's really hard to um, to see people while you're running. It's hard. Mm. There's a. It's very busy and crowded. You've got people around. It's like a massive, massive, massive crowd of people. Yeah. Running 42 k's. So a lot of these distance running events are about trying to manage your position in a crowd right. whilst maintaining like your desired speed. Yeah. So, but a lot of people came out, and a lot of people are trying. Friends and friends are trying to. Spot you and shout mm, out and whatever. Wish you the best. People, loads of people holding. Yeah, um, and so a lot of people came out yesterday, and I managed to see uh, my dear friend Magda and my friend Owen twice, which was amazing because mm. they very cleverly, like Magda's <laughs> husband Philip, is who I uh, I run with quite often, and um, Magda managed to see her husband Philip running like at three different sections, so mm. they would. They were on bikes and they yeah, would cycle. Okay. She had it all planned out. So they would cycle to a, a section of the marathon. Yeah. And then, and then they had these amazing posters that they had made. Uh, and they, they had printed t shirts of, um, 
of him as well. Uh, wow. And then when he would pass, they would jump on their bikes and then cycle to meet to do it again at another point oh. and then cycle to another and they saw him three times but i managed to see them twice <coughs> Man, there's, there's no uh, way jacinta likes me enough to do something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah imagine that imagine having your partner just like jump around like that it was She'll so cool like, just text me when you're done and tell me how you went <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> that's great i love the idea of being in a marriage where you're just like honey i'm I'm running my marathon today that I've been training for for months and she just goes, cool, text me when you're done. Yeah. What a great. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you pick up some oats on your way home, please? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I saw, uh, I saw Magda a couple of times. I saw uh, my dear friends, Lutz, uh, and Helmut, mm. who uh, the my two friends with the with the most German sounding names ever. <laughs> yeah, I assumed um, you'd made that Lutz, up, but there we are. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> Lutz, Lutz and Helmut. Shout out to Lutz and Helmut. They were around. They were on Kudam, I think, and they they spotted me, which was great. So oh, they got nice. a really nice photo that Lutz had taken, and then. And then Rus and Jeanette and their two young kids were out on Kudam as well, who I managed Aww. to spot, which was amazing. And then nice. at the very end, the mm. one of the highlights was that when I turned the very last corner of the marathon, all the crew from my running club who mm. had been set up for the whole day, they had they'd all they'd all got there at nine AM and had bloody stuck around until like two in the afternoon, three mm. in the afternoon wow. to see everybody race. And yeah. there was like a massive crowd of them right at the front of, <laughs> on the, on the barrier. Yeah. And, uh, thankfully because I wasn't trying to like get my absolute best time to within, you know, so like seconds weren't particularly important to me by the end of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I just like, I just like ran straight into them and there was this, <laughs> you know, it's the very end of the race. So there's like thousands yeah. of people around. Yeah. And I spotted them, and then I just ran straight towards them and jumped mm. into them like I was a uh, <laughs> like I was a soccer player who had just scored a goal and had run into the crowd. Oh, that's and nice. there's a very there's this great photograph. Uh, I think that, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, that Jack took, who's one of the the runners on the group and is also a fantastic photographer. And uh, he was taking official photos yesterday, and he's got mm. a nice pic of me sort of jumping into <laughs> everybody, which was great. That's and that nice. gave me a little bit of extra energy to finish the last couple hundred meters mm. and get in under four ass. And then you. Celebrated with a classic triple-decker cheeseburger pizza. Yeah. Then I celebrated. I went to my favorite mega brothel, Artemis, <laughs> which is up the top of Kaforsten Dam. And I said to them, Do you get, is it okay if I bring Domino's pizza in here? And they said, they said, this is a house of vice. Of course it's fine. <laughs> of course. So we partner with Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> We've got we've got our own dominoes in here. You don't have to bring like, it in. Like the Richie so, Rich movie. You've exactly. got your own dominoes. 
And so I went into Artemis and yeah. I sat down with three large. <laughs> I had a pepperoni, I had a cheeseburger pizza, and I had a pizza Hawaii. Yeah. And I had a box of I had a box of do, of dough balls. <laughs> and I was instantly recognized and I must I had to say to I had to say to all of the ladies Girls, can you give me a second? I know that I normally get straight to business, yeah. but I just need to sit with my pizza. For a, I need to finish these three. I need to finish these three pizzas. Exactly. And so they said, "Not a, not a problem, Alex. I'll we'll just... come back in. We'll come back in half an hour." You, you said. I'm worried if I get aroused, I might pass out at this point. So just give me half an hour with my dough balls. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and I got a big, I got a big round of applause from everybody in the mega brothel, which was, <laughs> what, a tr- what a treat. I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people went. So for anyone, anyone that wants to, that's, this is a real place, by the way, guys. Right. It's like one of the, it's the biggest brothel in Berlin. It's called Artemis and it's mm-hmm. the, at the top of West Berlin. I wonder how many people went there afterwards as a, After bit, of a, as a bit of a reward. Um, I, I saw the classic yesterday, which I love, which is just, it's the most Berlin thing ever. Of course, there's 47,000 people that compete in this thing. A lot of them are European. So you finish the marathon, mm. you go and sit down, like, just to recover, and there's people laying down and old people stretching, and there's always people smoking cigarettes with the bibs <laughs> still on. It's, it's just fantastic. That's great. It's just there are people just with beer in hand. They yeah. give you alcohol-free air dinger at the end, air dinger beers. And there are just people on their phones, like, laughing, smiling, celebrating, just, like, puffing away on the darts, <laughs> which I love. So good. <laughs> well done. That's good. That's good. Should we leave that there? No. Let's do another, another twenty minutes half an hour about that. me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's good. I think, I think that was really fun because, like, I don't know, most people haven't had that experience. And uh, I find it really interesting if, like, to know what it's like to start a race and, you know, like, feel that, feel the passage of time as you're moving through it, feel your body yeah, start cool. to shit itself. Um, makes, kind of makes me want to. What's, yeah, John, what do you have in your challenge book? Did you, or even as, mm. as a, you, 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 you had such, I mean, we've talked about this before that when you put a, when you put a little poem into the time capsule and when you talk to Mr. O'Neill in year yeah. five, yeah. you wanted to be like a lawyer or an accountant or a sort of exactly. a janitor or some sort of like, you wanted to be <laughs> administrative, to be. you wanted to be an administrative exactly. assistant at a, tra- to be. at a, uh, I wanted to be uh, like an actuary, but at an accounting firm because I thought, <laughs> man, imagine how good you'd have to be to do that because you know if you made a mistake, that'd be right on to you. And <laughs> <laughs> did that you have what dream. have you got in? What have you got in your? What's your? We should do a bucket list. Actually, and I remember show. my first job. My first job was working for. I think this is probably, my f- I was only kind of 14 or 15 and I was working for a guy that we went to school with. His dad had an accounting firm and he let me do a shift or two there, basically just punching numbers into a calculator, 
but I was so bad at maths that I couldn't even really manage that <laughs> very well. And I reckon I did two shifts and then he was just like, cool, thanks. Basically, we're, we're in administration now, so we have to, <laughs> we have to stop working. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a lovely man, but I'm getting... I've never had so many angry phone calls from clients. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't believe my idiot son recommended you to it. To me. <laughs> I should have known that my idiot son, who's a constant disappointment, would bring some cl- would bring some clown in here. <laughs> Do you have bucket list things? Well, a lot of my, I was, I was doing a, I went to the Asylum Seeker Resource Center last week in Melbourne and I was giving a seminar to them about legal writing and I started it off by saying, Oh, really? Yeah. And I started it off by saying, um, you know, something that wasn't included in my introduction from the person who introduced me, uh, Hannah, who I think is a listener to the show is that, um. Uh, is that I love writing and I always kind of around this time of year when the new year is pending, I sort of think, oh, fuck, I need to be doing more writing. Um, And then there's always a time on like New Year's Eve where I go, I was supposed to be a writer by now. Yeah. You know, all that sort of, (laughs) that kind of thing. But one of the pleasures of the podcast among many is that it does give me a chance to try my hand at writing. Um, And... Uh, I think, um, I think between that and my legal writing seminar career, that's probably is, I've just got to be happy with that. Um, I was, I was hoping that you were going to say stunts. Yeah. Big stunts. Big stunts. I've always <laughs> fantasized about being <laughs> the next evil Knievel. Fuck, uh, that would be so good if somebody, <laughs> fuck man, if you're at a, di- if you're at a dinner party and people started talking about bucket list items and you just pick some incredibly weird <laughs> Stunt. It's sort of a really out of character. Yeah. Just like sort of saying, and just completely stone faced. Just be like, yeah, I kind of want to jump over 12 school buses exactly. on a motorcycle and then make it sound like you've kind of, so that people don't, don't, don't think it's a joke. Like, mm. kind of say that you've kind of put steps in place for this to happen. Just be exactly. like, nah, I bought, I've bought. I've bought three of the buses already off Craigslist, and they're in a storage facility. And Ge- they're in a storage facility in Geelong. Yeah, and I have. I'm building the bike at the moment. I'm getting the parts off Craigslist, and there's Thanks. a whole lot of public liability insurance that I have to get through. But I'm working with a guy. <laughs> or just yeah, my dream is to fire an arrow at someone and hit an apple that's resting on top of their head. <laughs> And then it's dangerous. (laughs) I mean, I have to say one of my, I didn't realize this was a bucket list item until I did it at uh, Harley and Samian's wedding back in June, July, Harley and Samian's wedding back in July. I, uh, in France, which I've talked about previously on the show, my media trip to France. I think we did more than one podcast from France and, uh, on the wedding night, it was about three o'clock in the morning and uh, uh, we were all dancing around. And then um, two of the wedding guests, one of them kind of crouched down and the other one jumped over her as a kind of dance move. Ah. And then I was talking to uh, Holly, shout out to Holly if she ever listens to the podcast, which I hope she does. Uh, 
And one of us must have kind of gone, well, I reckon we could do that. So then we went out onto the dance floor and she crouched down. And then the brother of the bride, Matthew, who was um, Mm. also dancing around, he, for whatever reason, crouched down as well behind Holly. And then I had, so I had to kind of jump over two backs. And so I did a little run up. The music was blaring and... I only just made it. Uh, Matthew said okay. to me the following day, he said, I could he- hear, like I could almost feel the air from your foot coming down next to my ear. It was that close to like squishing my ear, which would have been a shit end wow. to, the, to the night. But um, but I made it and everyone cheered. And I and then later in the night, I did it again. And that time everyone was, was kind of rolling. So it was like a live action Donkey Kong move. And... Uh, that was a physical feat that I never saw myself, uh, I never even envisaged, but doing it was very gratifying. So I guess that's where I see myself is, I mean, you start with two people and then, <laughs> I don't know, you just it just gets more elaborate not, from there. This is not too dissimilar from the bus the yeah, that I was just exactly. talking about. Where just you to just kind of stack people <laughs> to jump over. <laughs> you just, and you maybe do three or you do, yeah, like you do a little human pyramid that you've got to like pole vault over. <laughs> that could be my thing. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, writing's up there, which actually brings me to something that I was thinking about talking about on the podcast, which is, um, yes. if I may, which is um, uh, about a writer that, uh, most of our listeners, indeed, probably all of our listeners will know, even if they've never read his work, and that is Stephen King. And um, uh, the famous horror. He's done more than horror, but I guess I'm yeah. always surprised when I when I see like, oh, Stephen King wrote The Green Mile. Exactly. Did The Green Mile. He did Stand By Me. He did It. He did Pet Cemetery. Wow. He did The Stand, all of that kind of stuff. And uh Misery was his as well. Um, so he's done a he's done a lot, and uh, he's an interesting kind of colourful character. He was a oh the the Shining. He also did he he also um, yeah. So he was an interesting kind of colourful character. He did uh, he got very into booze for a while to the point where he yeah. was a kind of rabid alcoholic for a number of years but he managed he's to drinking uh mouthwash i always That's remember right that i don't know why he said he I got so that. he was such a terrible alcoholic that yeah even when there was no booze left in the house he'd go he knew there was booze in the listerine so exactly like, skull listerine oh god almighty imagine that um imagine how minty fresh his breath must have been yeah but uh, fresh alcoholic. <laughs> but so he's obviously got an addictive personality, which kind of, I guess, makes sense when you hear this story. He was recently um, in the media because it was it resurfaced that he told a story at one stage where he said that his wife had basically gotten really angry at him and threatened to divorce him uh, because he kept doing something over and over. And it wasn't drinking Listerine. It was playing <laughs> the Lou Baker classic Mumbo Number no. Five over and over. And uh, and we've talked a little bit about Lou Baker on the show because he's a kind of he's he's sort of in the spirit of Scatman John, I guess, who we've talked about on the show. Yeah, yeah. and he's a '90s one-hit wonder. Mm. And much like Scatman John, 
his success came from Germany. Unlike Scatman mm. John, he actually is German, which is always mm. that thing that if you want to impress anybody in a, at a dinner party with a little bit of fantastic trivia, just tell them that that funky swingman Lou Bega is from Munich. <laughs> there you go. Which is weird because he had this very um, sort of ambiguous Latin American vibe, maybe. Yeah. Um, like a kind of Latin American crooner, but he was just a German. And uh, what's even weirder, I guess, is that uh, Stephen King couldn't stop listening to Mumbo Number no. 5. He just <laughs> he wanted more than a little bit of Monica in his life. He wanted heaps of her. And uh, he was interviewed and he said... I had the dance mix. I love those extended play things. And I played both sides of it. And one of them was just totally instrumental. And I played it until my wife just said, one more time and I'm going to fucking leave you. And he said, <laughs> he said that he didn't, um, he didn't uh, stop. He basically waited until she was running errands and then he would play it not once, but several times. And, uh, and wow. that was around the time he was writing, uh, a novel called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which was about a time traveler who attempts to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And what's weird about that is <laughs> that's around that was around two thousand and eleven that that novel came out. So I don't know when did Mumbo Number no. Five do its thing. Uh, Mumbo Number no. Five is ninety nine. Mumbo Number no. Five is ninety nine. So it would have been well before then. I would have thought, but but. Uh, yeah, he was breaking it out for whatever reason when he was writing a novel that got released in 2011. And he said also, when I write, there are things that I can listen to a lot, and a lot of it is techno stuff or disco stuff, but what? techno in particular. Wow. And he said that um, he liked listening to Fatboy Slim and LCD Sound System as his favorite writing Man, soundtrack artists. I would never have guessed that he was even being exposed to that music, I let know. alone enjoying it. It's weird because he's not really, he's a sort of he's fairly, not cool. he's not cool. He's a fairly kind of weird looking dude <laughs> who writes about weird things. And he's, he's also not really the right age to be listening to that stuff. And so also his, his, his yeah. stuff, his stuff is quite edgy and mm. he's picked like the most exactly middle real. of the road, like Mumbo Number no. Five is it is one of the top five like most successful singles of the nineties. Yeah, like I think we did we did that show about certainly sorry. It's one of the top five most recognized songs of the nineteen nineties. Yeah, okay, there you go. Up there with like my heart will go on and want to be by the Spice Girls. Mm. So he's just writing about you know people being disemboweled by demons in some haunted hotel <laughs> and just just bopping away to like this really kind of basic bubblegum sort of techno. Uh, because he says, he said basically, if, look, if I tried to sit and listen to Leonard Cohen, then, you know, I'd be, I'd be listening to what the lyrics were and I'd be too engaged with it to concentrate. Yeah. But basically he said, this is kind of very easy for my brain to just settle on what I'm doing, but have that going on in the background to keep my mind busy. And he also talked about uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band and Gloria Gaynor as things that he quite liked listening wow. to while he was writing, which again is just so, uh, it's almost spooky in itself that you would be listening to like Walking on Sunshine <laughs> and, and like writing about the darkest shit you can imagine. But um, yeah, there you go. So strange. And uh 
It sounds like a good hang. Go to a it, fucking party at it does. Stephen King's house and yeah. give him control of the Spotify. Exactly. Give him a give him a two litre jar of Listerine and the and put him on the decks. <laughs> <laughs> 